Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Now, the pressure never stops. It doesn't matter what season it is. That's what doctors working in GP practices are telling us here at BBC Radio Solent. The government says it's investing £1.5 billion in creating 50 million general practice appointments by 2024. But on the front line, one pool doctor tells us the system is broken and needs total reform. Our reporter, Emily Hudson, spent the day with her. Hi, Carrie, I'm Dr Naylor. Good morning. It's pretty busy all the time in general practice and we're consistently working above the recommended number of patient contacts because that's the only way to get through the work. Dr Lisa Naylor has been a GP in Poole for nearly 20 years, but the last few have been something else. Winter pressures just don't exist anymore. What used to happen was things used to get a bit better in the summer, so you'd get a bit of a respite and everybody would take a little bit of a breath. Actually, pressures have been consistently high in primary care since the pandemic started and we have been working above our usual work levels for that long, so we're all tired. On the day I spent with her, she had booked clinic in the morning, 20 face-to-face patients, all for 15 minutes. So my first person of the day uh, unfortunately hasn't turned up, so I'm going to give her a ring because she's a patient I know really well, she's quite vulnerable. But obviously, you know, this is an appointment that was booked three weeks ago and we are drowning under not being able to keep up with our routine appointments, so patients not turning up has a significant impact for us. It's not that I sit here twiddling my thumbs, I've got huge amounts of paperwork to do, so a lot of the unseen work that we do in general practice is the thing that keeps us here till eight half eight nine o'clock at night well, we have letters from all our hospital appointments uh, that we have to look at and make sure there's nothing else we need to do with, for the patient i've got about 100 letters sat in my box at the moment for me to have a look at uh, process requests for sick notes process requests for repeat prescriptions and i go in and look at the patient's notes i will check that they've had the b- blood tests that they should have had to be able to continue to keep their medication going because it's not just a simple click you can have that drug i think it's because he caught a bit of the inside of the bone on the last time and it was like oh uh, yeah yeah it's not a fun no, experience no, that would help. i do yeah. normally run late because patients are increasingly complex now and i you don't have time to deal with everything one of my patients this morning was a typical patient that we're seeing at the moment who has been referred to the hospital in march last year but has not yet been seen and he is coming back to us with the same problem i can't sort her out what she needed is a hospital appointment but I can't do that but we are I'm trying to keep her as well as I possibly can um, but that's increasing our workload in primary care Hi, it's Dr Naylor here from Shaw Medical. Hello, Thank you for calling. That's all right. How are you doing? In the afternoon, Dr Lisa became duty doctor, dealing with all the emergencies who'd contacted the surgery via an online consultation or phone call in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, I think we possibly ought to have a look at you and have a listen to your chest, actually, because you're quite short of breath talking to you on the phone. So this man with asthma gets invited in, but some are asked to send photos or more information online. That actually saves patients' time coming up to see us. So a lot of our younger patient population really like that because they get treated and sorted really quickly without having to come into the practice. Good girl, Hannah, well done. Any rashes anywhere? Some patients have to be seen. Okay. We are here to serve our community and to look after the general health of our population. And I don't think any of us want to say, you're wasting my time ever to a patient, because that 
really destroys your relationship with the patient. However, the service is under massive pressure at the moment and there are minor illnesses and ailments that you could use self-care at home or visit your pharmacy about. Sticker. Thank you. That being said, we're all aware that sometimes there's something hidden and so they'll come with an earache or a cough and a cold but actually they've got a significant mental health problem or actually they're really worried that they've got cancer because someone in their family's been diagnosed and they've got similar symptoms. And so it's very difficult to have hard and fast rules. Lisa finishes at 7.45 that evening. She admits many GPs are finding the job more stressful than ever. In the last 12 years, we've seen a reduction in NHS funding and that is reflected in how the NHS is, is behaving at the moment. What we need to do is fund our healthcare service properly and we need to fund our social care services properly as well because at the moment the system is broken. That's Dr Lisa Naylor who works at the Parkston Tower Practice in Upper Parkston in Poole with BBC Radio Solent's Emily Hudson. Well, joining me now, Dr Laura Edwards who is the Joint Chief Executive of Wessex Local Medical Committees who speak on behalf of Hampshire, Dorset and Isle of Wight GPs. Hello Laura, good morning. Oh, good morning, Pat. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Um, Let me ask you the obvious question, first of all. Is all of what we're hearing there, and I'm sure you recognise a lot of what uh, Lisa was talking about, is that all the pandemic backlog? I absolutely recognise what we're saying, and what she said is a really awful piece. You put a lot of really important points there. Um, but no, this isn't all pandemic backlog. The pandemic simply added onto something that was already coming and growing for a really long time. So doctors have been saying this for, for about 20 years or more, that actually our population is going to need more. We're doing wonderful things. In fact, we're sort of victims of our own success. Um, we are doing wonderful things and have been now for our population for some time. I mean, you just mentioned this fantastic new cream that's out there potentially for vitiligo as an example we are developing all these medicines uh, we've got fantastic operations that are life-saving now we have loads of preventative treatments out there um, and all of these uh, are with together with an aging population who are now more and more complex um, so we've got lots of monitoring to do and they just require lots and lots of care. So we, we have now that compared, um, also with a, a huge invisible workload that you heard Lisa describe there. Um, and so fundamentally, there, there hasn't been enough planning. Um, and we just don't have enough doctors and particularly enough GPs for our population. So your listeners may be surprised to know that we only have 1,400 now for 2.7 million patients across your area of Hampshire, Isle of Wight. And Dorset. It doesn't seem like so a very good are... ratio, that does it? When you when you put those two figures uh, next to each other. But Health Education England, uh, Lisa, say they're hitting their targets for recruiting new GPs. So why is it that there's not enough to go around? Yes, and um, and and the politicians always push that bit. They always say we're recruiting more, we're recruiting more, and it's going to be fine. What they don't mention is, although they've got the tap on, the plug is draining faster than the tap is running, um, and so we've actually got more GPs exiting than they have recruiting. So the numbers are dropping. So, for example, in Dorset last year, you lost eleven percent 
of the workforce in 12 months. So that tap is, you know, it's just not keeping up. Um, and it means that the GPs that are left, uh, like Lisa described, they're just working way above the safe levels. I mean, if it was HGV drivers, for example, who are regulated, it would be the equivalent of them dry, trying to drive four lorries at once down a motorway. That's so kind of what we're being now and it's so, just not safe we keep hearing as well though about the amount of money that the department of health is uh, putting in i mean they, they told us they prioritized health and social care in the autumn statement last year and have invested 14.1 billion pounds over the next two years on top of what they describe as record funding to reduce waiting times and return performance to pre-pandemic levels you have said in fairness this hasn't just been a, a pandemic problem uh, but is that money not reaching sort of frontline care as much as it should do I haven't got facts and figures around that today with me, Pat, but um, my understanding is we are just, we are woefully short of other countries in what we invest. So we are trying to play catch up now. Um, and it's always worth taking massive numbers and then dividing them by the population to see what the real amount is. So, for example, I think they're about to announce some more money going to general practice. And it sounds a huge amount, it's millions. But when you divide it out, it's four pounds, it's four pounds ahead. And, and you, you know, actually you can't get a lot really if you do that um so we we are woefully short if you look at our number of doctors per head of population compared to 23 other countries over europe we are 22nd out of the 23 in the lowest numbers of doctors for the population so we we are playing catch up and um we you know although these numbers sound impressive they're on a really on a background of really low investment and as as, as dr lisa Naylor described you know we haven't invested for years um and and this just simply isn't enough and the main problem is workforce we haven't got the people so i sit in a lot of meetings where they say we've got some money and we say who's going to actually do the work and then we all look around because there isn't anyone and we know it we haven't got any um, we talk a lot as well, Lisa, finally, about face-to-face -face appointments compared to online and access to GPs. People will be familiar with the, the 8am scrum, as it sometimes get dis gets described, to try and get an appointment. We heard Lisa in, in the, that report doing calls online with people and deciding if they needed to come in. My last GP's appointment was, was, a, was a phone conversation, and for what I needed, that was absolutely fine. But people still want to think that they're going to be able to get to see their GP face-to-face. -face. In fact, there's a headline about it in one of the papers today the government saying end of the, the hated 8am scramble for an appointment uh, how well are non-face-to-face -face appointments working do you think uh, so i just clarify i'm laura so that lisa oh my apologies there. there's too many too many names <laughs> beginning with al i'm so sorry laura <laughs> Um, I think I think this is one again one of those kind of you've got to come back to the fundamentals of this question which is why is there a problem and that is because we don't have enough GPs so we're, there's a mismatch between the needs of the population and how much workforce we've got and people are trying to do the absolute best that they can in that situation so um what practices are doing is they're trying to find the people who need to see them um, to, to, to offer them appointments. And, um, you know, everybody's doing it in different ways. So I know some practices are saying anyone who wants a face-to-face -face appointment can have one. Others are saying, do you know, we've got so many people asking, actually, we're going to try and let some people stay at home and they can have their appointment, like you just described, at home. work, And it's really convenient and they can get there in the and but also the government have pushed that the 
the number of appointments has changed. If you look at the we've Laura, I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm, your line, unfortunately, is getting a bit choppy, so I'm going to have to uh, leave it there, unfortunately, because I'm only get, getting about one word in four on this phone line, frustratingly. But thank you for joining us uh, this morning, Dr. Laura Edwards, who's the Joint Chief Executive of Wessex Local Medical Committees, who speak on behalf of Hampshire, Dorset, and Island GPs. Thank you, Laura. Well, listening to that, Steve Brine, who is the MP for Winchester and also Chair of the Health and Social Care Select Committee. Good morning, Steve. Hello, Pat. Nice to have you on. Um, can I have your reaction to that, first of all, that bit we heard from Lisa, first of all, and uh, Laura, secondly? Lisa essentially saying the primary care system and social care system is broken and they don't feel like they're being heard. In fact, I'll let her put it in her own words, Steve. We are feeling that the people in power are not listening to us and are not coming and looking at what is happening at grassroots level and the impact this is having on the patients but also on the staff and if we do not look after our staff there is nobody to care for the patients i thought we'll hear that clip rather than me paraphrasing steve what's your reaction to that so um i don't think it's helpful to say the nhs is broken i think it frightens people i think the nhs has got big problems um it's not true to say people in power are not listening i used to be the primary care minister i used to listen i used to go and visit i used to sometimes sit with permission in surgery and observe um consultations to be right there in the room um the select committee that i chair maybe we're not in power but we are scrutinizing government ministers we are certainly listening and we are certainly responding so last year we produced a big report um which found its headline was that gps are leaving as fast as they can be recruited and patients are increasingly dissatisfied with the level of service they receive so that is not great now just to to give you the, the figures, it's the ever-increasing demands that you heard from Dr. Naylor and from, from Laura there. So if you look at May 22, there were about 27.5 million GP appointments in general practice in England. That's about 2 million more than just pre-pandemic. Yet the number of full-time equivalent GPs has gone down in that period by about 500. That's why there's the pressure that you're hearing there at the front end, because they're being asked to do more with less on that subject of more and less because dr naylor said and i heard this just before i jumped in the shower i wrote it down she said we've seen a reduction in nhs funding not true in 0910 when we came to office because she said 12 years ago there was 130 billion pounds spent for nhs in england 22 23 it's 180 billion pounds it's never had more money now, she also said we need to fund our NHS properly, define properly, because at the end of the day, they're big figures, to use Laura's term. How much bigger do we want them to be? Are we prepared to pay for them as a society? And if so, who do we tax? Well, can I ask you about, can I ask you about two points that on that, do? Steve? Because you, the government says, and has said many times, that the, 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 the settlement for the NHS now has never been bigger. But from the, the contributors we've That's had this true. morning, same, same, saying the money isn't there for what they need to be doing. Is it that the money's not hitting primary care, the front door of the health service, perhaps as much as it should be? I appreciate everyone is after a, a bit of that pie. But you think about people's general interactions with the health service day to day and it's probably through their gp 
Yes. So, so there is this constant argument. I remember this as a health minister myself, and I see it now. There is this constant argument between secondary care, so hospital care, and primary care. And yes, the majority of money goes into secondary care. I don't ever visit a hospital where they say, you know what, Steve, we could do with a bit less money. I don't go to Winchester Hospital and they say, no, no, you should give it to the GPs. So there's that, so there's that tension. Um, I, I think that all the evidence suggests that investment at primary care level, you get a better bang for your buck. Then you have to ask, what do we mean by primary care? So it isn't just about GPs. You know, I, I've said for many, many years that ge general practice is part of primary care. The wider primary care family includes pharmacists, it includes ophthalmologists, it includes dentistry, actually. So, you know, are we using that wider primary care family? You very kindly mentioned earlier the Prime Minister's primary care plan, which will be coming out actually very, very shortly in the next couple of weeks, which is the third part of his NHS recovery. And I think that will address the issue of using the wider primary care family. And I know that it will address this issue that you've mentioned, which is the the eight o'clock scramble or the 8.30 scramble, which is what drives patients no. I want um, to ask you about that, Steve, because there, is a, there is a headline about that today. But but just on the amount of GPs leaving, I mean, you, you say, you know, we are recruiting more GPs, which is fabulous, but they're also leaving. If Whether you agree with my contributors about why they are seeing those pressures in the GP surgery or not, I mean, one of them described it as, well, the tap's running down the plug hole faster than we can recruit new GPs, and that's what's putting on pressure as you say but that's a vicious circle isn't it how are we going to stop the the um, the deficit of gps running out before we can get new ones in while that pressure's there will the prime minister's plan address that so there are several things there is a pension issue which is very very difficult to make on a, on a brief morning into radio interview which is about pension pots being full and people actually having to pay to work hard argument to make gps are not badly paid and therefore we would be asking the taxpayer to make a contribution to make a change there but it's a complicated argument i'll, I'll park it the other thing that's sort of the wider picture if you like i suppose is about demand into the nhs in general but into primary care so so we said in our report you know seeing a gp shouldn't be booking like booking an uber and what we've got into in in this country the situation where access to primary care and to gp it's it's the amazon uh, Amazon primation, if you like, of primary care is that people want it, they expect it, they demand it in a matter of hours. Sometimes you need that. And general practice's job is to try and triage and to work out who needs to do that. So if you ring up at eight o'clock and you've got a child with a temp with spiking a temperature of 25, yeah, they'll see you and they'll have you, they'll, they'll see you within very, very short order. If you say, you know, I have a sh sore shoulder and I'd like to speak to my GP, you don't need to be seen that day. You probably could see somebody as part of that wider GP family. So it's about education of the public as to when they actually need to see a GP. And then the final point is about prevention. We are, we are not serious about prevention in this country. We are too sick as a country, and therefore that drives demand into the NHS. Now, those three things taken together with a serious primary care plan would reduce demand on general practice and hopefully that would then stem the uh, the exit door because you're right you know we are training more gps but it takes a long time to train gps and get into the uh, system uh, interesting comments about the public's role in prevention which i wish i had more time to talk to you about oh, can i ask finally mm. steve uh, doctors are leaving because of stress junior doctors in hospitals are heading out on strike this month are you worried that gps are going to be next because ultimately anyone listening to this who might be thinking about the health service as a career or anything in uh, in uh, health professionalism as a career might be listening to this and thinking well i don't know if i fancy that 
Well, um, I, I don't have too much sympathy for junior doctors who are asking for 35% pay rise. I'm not sure if you've had a 35% pay rise this year, Pat, but let me tell you what, most of my constituents certainly haven't. I would say that, you know, with regards to strikes in any part of the NHS and in general practice in particular, is the problem that you've got is workload. The problem that you've got is backlog and the problem you've got is demand. Being on strike is only going to make that worse. It, it is about all the things I've mentioned. It is about prevention. Um, as a select committee chair, I've just actually launched a brand new podcast called Prevention is the New Cure, available on all good platforms. <laughs> and we talk about this and we'll be talking. Yeah, no, there you go. I it's you a there. good plug. Your broadcasting background comes out when you get, get a plug in as, as quickly as that. We will be talking about this new primary care plan very soon. And we will be talking about prevention, 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 because we are not getting that right in this country right now. Steve Bryan, MP for Winchester, chair of the Health and Social Care Select Committee. Uh, thank you for coming on this morning. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.